Hey everybody, welcome to Let the Music Be Your Master, uh, coming at you live on tape from not my dad's garage this time, uh, coming at you from two different places, my yeah, bedroom and... I'm not in and... my dad's garage either, I'm, I'm just in my house. Yeah, so yeah, so we are in week two of the quarantine. Is that what what this is called? We're not officially quarantined well, yet. No, so I don't think that's I after think you the, get the sick. The term is being used loosely. It's it's like a voluntary quarantine. We've been social distancing, social distance to yeah. isolate ourselves a little bit, and it feels a little bit like quarantine. But I, I don't think you or I have officially been told we have to quarantine. Mm-hmm. So the way people have responded has been, I've been just really, really impressed with, with what educators and social workers and counselors have, have had to come up with at the, at the last minute to make this work. And I think we're still going to see, you know, the, all the difficulties falling out from this, but I'm, I'm just continually impressed with, with what people are doing. I'm a, a cynic by nature. It's probably my least favorite thing about myself if you haven't picked up my cynical nature in the you know, process of recording these episodes but um seeing humans do incredible things is like the best antidote to my cynicism and i've seen a lot of that and so you know i hope we're all gonna yeah. have to i think continue to to broadcast the good through social media and and different channels that way to make sure that that people are aware that there's still great people doing great things and you know, hopefully podcasts like this will serve some purpose just to make people feel connected and, and just feel good for a minute thinking about, you know, some of the some of the everyday things that maybe we've taken for granted. So that's All right, my, two, well, let's that's get my into, two cents. Let's get into some music then, some quarantunes. So I listened to the episode that I missed the first part of. I, I think I was doing something awesome. Um, I don't remember why I'm, I missed them, and I missed, but I, I but I got there late. But I listened to it, and I, you and Jordan didn't really give any clear definition of what makes up a quarantine. Um, do you want to? We did not. Do you want to kind of stick with that that vague vague description or redefine it? How are you approaching this? Uh, I yeah, I still have a pretty vague description of it. And so in, in making my list, I guess I've been thinking, what are the different activities I'm likely to be involved with, with during this time? And what kind of music will uh, either help me with those activities or which what music will match the particular mood that I might be in? Um, or, yeah, what's maybe going to boost boost my spirits or... Um, that type of stuff. Okay, but I it like is it. very, it very much uh, could be anything. So, so mine will probably vary. Kind of a a deep track approach. That's what I love. And when I have time on my hands, I like to explore deep tracks and try to find stuff that you know may not be your the the thing that a lot of people listen to. Um, and then you know it's probably a little bit of a personality test as well. I loved. Jordan's Bonnie Prince Billy picks. Um, it's very much a reflection of of his personality. You'll probably see a little bit of mine, and I definitely saw yours come through in yours. So, I mean, not that this should be a personality test, but I think it it ends up being that a little bit because when you've got yeah. time on your hands, you're gonna, you know, figure out the thing that that works for you that helps 
helps kind of therapize you through it. So I'm sure it'll resemble that a little bit, but hopefully there's some, some fun stuff. I got a list of, of things that I'm excited to throw out there for you. All right, let's jump into this. You want to, you want to go first? Uh, sure. And what are we doing? How much, how long, how much of these are you playing? And then I guess maybe we'll take last weeks and this week's and put them together in a Spotify playlist of quarantine. Yeah. yeah. We'll do that. Uh, it probably depends on the song. Um, for the most part, we'll treat it like we have in all the other lists and just play, uh, you know, 30 seconds or so. Okay. But there might be some where we want, uh, want more parts of the song. Like maybe this one, since this song is almost 12 minutes long. Uh, <clears throat> this, uh, this one, we're, uh, we're going to venture into the realm of doom metal mm. for our first track. I love doom metal. Um, seem, seems appropriate in a quarantine type situation, apocalyptic, um, you know, where you're imagining turning it in, turning into the road warrior eventually. That type of thing. Uh, so the band is called Eagle Twin. The album is their their latest release, The Thundering Herd, from last year. And I'm just going to play track number one. So this is a, a two-piece band. You've got a guitarist slash singer and a drummer. And that's it. So all the guitar sounds you hear are coming from the one guy. And... I would assume that in the studio they're doing some overdubs, um, but they also play live, and he gets a surprising amount of different sounds just from from that this one guitar. Is, uh, this is Gentry Densley's gig, right? It sure is. Gentry Densley is the the singer guitarist, and uh, what's the what's the drummer's name? Uh, was it was it Smith, wasn't it? Tyler Tyler Smith. Yeah. So you and I both have, and Jordan as well. This is a local artist to us, but he's he's made noise, you know, broader than just locally. But I, I think Gentry Densley is kind of a genius, and he is he I, more than kind of. Yeah, he is. He's a legit genius, and he's able to make and manufacture like more noise from a single person than just about any musician I've ever seen the output of volume and sound and just like collective noise that can come from him as a musician is incredible when you realize how much he's doing by himself. And, and you can tell he's passionate about the specific kind of noise he's making because the last few years he has started a company called hex electrics uh, where he makes, he and another partner make their own amplifiers and cabinets. And I think he might have, I don't know if he made his own guitar, but his guitar is custom made. It's, free, as it's well. freaking cool. Fire yeah. it up. Let's hear it. Okay. So the song is called Quana Un Rama by Eagle Twin from The Thundering Herd. Like, I'm reaching high. 
These guys are quite fun to see live. I saw them, I saw them for the first time just a few months ago, and it how, was a blast. Um, how old is this album? Uh, this is, well, 2018, this album came out. So this has been sitting on my to-listen-to list, like, since 2018, and this makes me disappointed in myself that I haven't listened to it yet. It's, <laughs> I freaking love doom metal. <laughs> bring it down a little it's bit. It's surprisingly fun for... <laughs> and let's, let's see if we can kind of, like, explain what the characteristics of doom metal is, because there's certain things that make it kind of make it what it is and I think make it a little bit unique. It seems like it's generally slower than uh, other types of metal. Yeah, so it's and it's definitely focuses more on the lower end down. of the frequencies. It's almost always is slowed down. Like here, Gentry is uh, he's playing a guitar, but I think he often plays a baritone guitar. Yeah, so they'll, this band. They'll, a lot of times they'll tune down their instruments, like a lot of drop D tuning, um, where your your low strings are tuned down even lower, and then a, typically a pretty heavy distortion on it, and so it gives it like a really distinct sound. The Godfathers of doom metal really are Black Sabbath, like what Geezer Butler was doing, um, especially on. Like the Masters of Reality is probably like the first real doom metal album, and mm-hmm. I think everything since after that kind of owes a, a debt to that. But um, it's I love it. I don't know why. I've always had a just a. Ooh, let's let's listen to this riff a little bit. Yeah, so he's got quite the the collection of effects pedals where he can run one, run that one guitar through it and split it into different signals, send some of it it's to a bass amplifier, send some of it to a guitar. That. It's nuts. Yeah. So if you love doom metal, like, or if this is interesting to you, go back review classic Black Sabbath, like Masters of Reality for sure. The late '90s had kind of a nice boom for for doom metal um with like caius and fu manchu and nebula and i've i've been like all in with doom metal since day one i freaking love it (laughs) okay what do you got all right this is a british funk group from the 70s with some jamaican influence i think i'm saying the name right it's a band called simande c-y-m-a-n-d-e and they put out they only put out a couple albums like in the 70s but they um really really just good grooves great sense of rhythm and instrumentation and sometimes you need a little pick me up sometimes you want to just feel good for me funk is one of my favorite john gen- uh how do you say it wrong genres genre genres of music and um it always makes me feel good and right now i think we need anything that can make us feel feel good a little bit 
So the track I oh, you mean uh, Eagle Twin doesn't do that for you? You know, it does. It does, but it's a different type of good that it makes me feel. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just quantitatively <laughs> different. Um, <laughs> not quanti- qualitatively. That's the word. Qualitatively different. Anyway, uh, Samande off of their self-titled titled first album. Uh, I'm going to go with the song. It's titled Bra. Um, uh huh. I don't think it's referring to the clothing. I'm guessing it, it has more to do with. Well, I don't know. Actually, maybe it is. I couldn't tell you. Um, but go ahead and uh, fire up Bra by Samande and uh, okay. see if it doesn't just make you smile a little bit. De La Soul sampled this on. I remember which album. This is one of those kind of obscure groups that mm-hmm. I've never, like, I don't know why certain groups like this kind of just fall through the cracks of time and others leave, you know, a, a bigger mark. Like, why do more people know about Flying the Family Stone or the Tower of Power, but less people know about Simone because they're making, in my opinion, just as good a music, but somehow historically they just they don't have the same chapter in the in the history of music but this whole album is really really good everything on here i think is as good as this like i can listen to the whole album and just smile mm-hmm. the whole time like not get bored of it i get tired of it it's one of those it's kind of an obscure uh jazz record label i think it's on janice records um if you ever see an original in a record shop, snatch it up because they're super tough to find. But I heard the way I found out about these guys, um, our our local um, independent radio station, KRCL, will do deep tracks um, pretty frequently. And I don't even remember what the theme was, but they played, I think it was this song. Is it is it Bad Brad yeah, Wheeler yeah, that'll do Bad that? Bad Brad Wheeler played this song. I probably heard him play it about 10 years ago. And... It was one of those just immediately went and I recognized the hook from a De La Soul song uh, at the very beginning and I was like, it immediately caught my attention, looked into it and realized that this was a really, really cool band that's got some really great stuff. It's awesome. I love this. All right, next up. Uh, well, I'll, uh, I'll continue your vibe. Because I, yeah, I, I agree with your assessment that we need to we need to have some optimistic music in there, some good vibes, and this is one of my favorite songs along those lines. This one is not so much a deep cut; uh, it just barely did not make my top songs of the '70s. Uh, from the Five Stair Steps, this is Ooh Child, or maybe it's Ooh Ooh Child really good whatever it is they are i guess they had the nickname the first family of soul 
before the Jackson Five took over in that role, but these guys did it first. Was James Brown their godfather too? I don't maybe know. Maybe that's that. how he became the godfather, so maybe he was their actual godfather. <laughs> that would be nice. Seems like it would make sense. It would I, make sense in, the, in, the, a, case, in yeah. the funk family tree a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what we need right now so from what i understand this is a whole family doing everything together makes it even cooler not not uh not the stair step family that's not their name but uh i think they were called that because when you lined them up in age order they looked like stair steps <laughs> fair enough um but yeah they uh it's like all the brothers and sisters so in that way it's inspiring too because maybe you can take this quarantine time to get some family music make some going. family music so the things i love about this it's got a good vibe it's really really smart i think with not trying to do too much sometimes some of those 70s tracks tried to put too many layers of stuff on and this has really good space throughout the whole song where the song can just kind of grow i love um i love good soul drums that make a good use of just like a nice rim tap and uh i yes. love the sound of the drums in this this was used in uh this it's was incredible. guardians of the galaxy wasn't it the first one yeah on that mixtape yeah. whether you like marvel movies or not like i think you do have to tip your hat to how effectively the guardians of the galaxy movies intertwine music with with story and with character like it's it's it, you can't really separate the music from the the story in the movie which i thought was really smart and and i loved how they used this yeah. one but all, all those ghost notes too on that snare like it's just that uh, that rhythm's really really complicated you... i've tried to play it before i can't come anywhere close <laughs> it's always a good it's sign just... <laughs> love it that's ex- that's just what so, we yeah. needed yep all right you ready for another one uh-huh okay. This is going to be another deep track. All these are just kind of, you know what these are? This is funny. I didn't even realize this till I put my list together. I'm looking at it right now. Um, all of mine are like classic hip hop head sample grail albums. Like these really hard to find kind of obscure <laughs> jazz albums that have these incredible um, funky hooks. And uh, yeah, I guess that's what's pulling them all together. So that's what's that's what's getting me. There's my personality test. That's what's getting me through the quarantine. Um, (laughs) So this is uh, really I don't know if they made any other album besides this one, 
but it's um it's a soul jazz album from the early 70s by a group called placebo um not to be confused with another group that came along later called placebo uh the album that it's on is called also not to be confused with another band called placenta (laughs) very very different tonally although musicianship wise i think it's probably comparable um (laughs) Both uh, all really top tier uh, uh, musicians. So, Placebo, uh, an album called Ball of Eyes. I don't know if you're going to be able to. F- I think Google Play has it. Ball of Eyes by Placebo. And this is Soul Jazz. Um, they're, uh, I think they're out of Belgium. And uh, this guy named mark mullen was he was like a session musician that just loved kind of funky good soul jazz and he put out this album under the name placebo um called ball of eyes and the first half i believe is all um covers and he does this cover they do this cover of marvin Gaye's inner city blues it's the first track Mm -hmm. on the album and Mm -hmm. the I love this kind of connects to the, the the one you just played. It's got these 70s soul jazz albums would always make their drums really crisp. And it wasn't overpowering, but it was so complimentary to the music. I think that's part of why some of these albums became kind of gray album, gray, grail albums for the world of hip hop, because you have these really crisp, really distinct drum drum tracks that just make you want to bounce your head so i'm going with uh, inner city blues off of placebo's ball of eyes album So this is another one. This whole album has the same kind of vibe. They do a cover of uh, Sam and Dave's You Got Me Humming. That's pretty cool. I could have picked that one off this album. It's again, like another super, super hard to find album in person, but with the internet, now we can we can all enjoy it. But again, like, I don't know why, you know, certain things from the same, same style and same era left a bigger footprint than this but this one's like a classic amongst hip-hop heads like an underground hip-hop producer probably knows about this album because there's all these 
little pieces that that are just kind of vital to to making great hip-hop tracks all right let's see next up for me um let's uh let's go with some miles davis here mm. i think this is a great time to uh to dive into some some pretty long albums uh i don't know i don't know something about long tracks just getting in in a good uh vibe feels feels appropriate for this time um we mentioned this album a couple episodes ago this is probably my favorite of his uh the album is called bitches brew from what year 1970 and this is where miles davis is um i don't know he's exploring new stuff he's bringing in some some funk elements and some some other stuff so kind of branching out from the the other earlier jazz that he was doing and i'm gonna play this track called miles runs the voodoo down yes this was the one i was hoping you were gonna play i freaking oh, yeah? love this track yeah, this so is good. kind of a transitional album for miles davis he, he had all these different chapters and and this is one of his kind of transition albums it's an incredible album Why is this one the one that you hoped I was picking from this album? I love so it's got such a like unique um, kind of funky, understated funkiness to it, and kind of back what I was saying before about space in a song. I think Miles Davis was one of the best at keeping the right amount of space in his music for the songs to really kind of grow and turn into whatever they're going to be, and mm-hmm. so you don't. Like a lot of times, especially in jazz, it'll sound like you have musicians playing over each other. And Davis, I think part of his genius was he would he would um, put together, like compose stuff that gave everybody the right amount of space to just complement each other in a really good way. And so his like his trumpet track. I mean, he's going for it right here. You can hear he is going for it, mm-hmm. but he's not overtaking everybody else either. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff Herbie Hancock did with the Headhunters, like the Headhunters album, I feel like is tonally kind of similar to this, where it's got that understated groove and funk, but they've all got given space for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really dig this whole album. It's They all kind of have this the same kind of vibe. There's like a mystery to, to all the songs, kind of. Um, and so many different instruments, not all of which are doing like melody type stuff. 
some are making more you know experimenting with the sounds that their their instruments can make but, he was, the thing um, but it's, I liked it's about not so far that it's just like noise like some you know some free jazz albums get to that just yeah noise that's point. what i was gonna say like some some avant-garde stuff is so like trying so hard to be clever and unique and technically impressive that it loses track of making something that you would actually want to listen to and davis it feels like was really good at straddling that line of really pushing the envelope mm-hmm. of being experimental but still doing it in a way that you wanted you would want to listen to yeah miles davis he's one i just started watching that uh, that documentary it's available on netflix right now called miles davis birth of the cool and it? it's really f- fantastic yeah I'm only like half hour into it, but it's... And the cool thing about him is he ushered in like at least three, maybe four different chapters in jazz where he like really helped contribute and start a movement that completely changed the whole direction. Um, he, he's like, if you were going to look at him in a, you know, a compare him to a, a, somebody else that's had a, a major influence on on culture and pop culture he would be like your i don't know like your lebron james you know somebody lebron james played on however many different teams won championships multiple different teams different styles in the movies you know somebody really prolific that has spanned decades i don't know who, who would that be well i think it would be comparing him to kareem abdul-jabbar and Michael Jordan and LeBron. Oh, yeah, that's probably right? true. Because they, they're yes. all different styles, different decades. That's probably true. And and did it, it that's probably a, a better comparison and, and to span that much time. Yeah, just incredible. Spend some time with Miles Davis during this quarantine. Exactly. Uh, okay, what do you got? All right. Hey, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Do you like um, poetry? Um, well... <laughs> how do i answer that mostly no <laughs> perfect uh hey brandon do you like 70s um soul jazz uh yeah sure all right well have i got a deal for you um i've got a guy who another really interesting figure kind of a genius musician that made stuff that was not particularly critically acclaimed at the time that he made it but he just viewed the world in a kind of a unique way and he wanted to make his art a reflection of how he viewed the world so this is a a dude named david axelrod um kind of famous composer arranger and producer and he made some noise in the 70s in particular by putting out a series of kind of soul jazz albums that found new life again being used as kind of these grail samples in the world of Mm hip-hop and um he on his probably his most well-known album is an album called songs of innocence and what it was was a musical um a musical representation of a book of william blake's poetry by the same same name so william blake had a poetry book called 
songs of innocence and mm-hmm. this was david axelrod's 1970s um musical take on actually 1968 musical take on that book of poetry and so it's instrumental kind of composite instrumental compositions of his take on this poetry book and they're they're i just I, it's a cool album again it's a tough album to find it's really important to certain people in the world of music and it had it, it kind of influenced music that influenced other stuff but i think it's a cool listen with when you've got time on your hands and you're trying to build a playlist of some some interesting stuff that that is more important than you may have realized this is a good one mm-hmm. again the i'm thing excited that to hear this I've, I've never heard of this before but it so uh, this, it looks the, really cool the song we're going to go with is called holy thursday mm-hmm. and it again on this one the drums are so crisp they sound so cool this is i i think the best song on the album but the whole album is super cool anyway, so fire up. the titles of all the songs are these also william blake poems yeah if i remember right they are okay holy thursday by david axelrod This is fascinating. It's so cool. It's got this very 70s plucked bass sound, like like a 70s rock bass. Mm -hmm. And the drums could be like from a 70s cop show. Mm -hmm. And then it's got big strings and orchestration, but it all works so good. And it's this slow crescendo, slow build up. Yeah, the, the orchestra here sounds so big. Like numbers wise, you know. Yeah, it's not just what he did. I mean, he was an arranger. Axelrod was important. He was a composer and he made like great compositions. He wasn't making a splash in mainstream music, mm-hmm. but he was a every every ounce a composer and just put together the these really interesting late 60s early 70s albums of kind of a combination of the the sound of the time mixed with these big orchestral compositions and they they somehow worked like Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're never going to hear this on the radio, but it's a really freaking cool album. Okay. Good pick. This episode's paying off for me personally already. <laughs> paying dividends already. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
stock market may have crashed, but it's paying <laughs> dividends still, baby. <laughs> but you got some deep tracks you can listen to. <laughs> okay. I'll go I'll go with another deep track for you. Uh this one the band itself is not a deep track, but but the song is. Uh we've mentioned this band before, I think. I think we mentioned it as the greatest band of all time. Uh so that would that would be the Beatles, obviously. And Damn you. This is from <laughs> the greatest album. Of the greatest band of all time, Abbey Road. Oh, Yellow Submarine. Yeah, Yellow Submarine. I've heard of oh, it. Oh, that's a funny joke, Jason. Um, <laughs> Abbey Road. It's It's been fun with it being 50 years uh, since all these albums come out. Like, they keep releasing these deluxe editions. Um, I don't know if they've done it for every album, but the one for Abbey Road came out last year to mark the, the 50th anniversary of that coming out and so they have a super deluxe edition which has you have 17 tracks on the original album and then you've got another 12 tracks of alternate takes and then another 11 tracks of more alternate takes so uh you can really get your fix on what was going on in the studio with this super deluxe edition of abbey road and of all the albums to really dive in on what they were doing in the studio this is a a fun one to do it with because the album is so complicated if you if you know anything about it uh these are fun for for beatles fans you get to hear their voices you know before uh before the song actually goes their little interactions with george martin in the studio and so i'm gonna play an alternate take of you never give me your money uh one of my favorite tracks from abbey road it's a pretty complicated one you know it's got like three parts within the one song um but there's there's a lot going on on the recording that we're all used to and a lot going on in this version too but uh this one is from what i can tell it sounds like everybody is in the room on this one like everything that we can hear is happening at once so we don't hear all the instruments like there's no bass in it um so this is take 36 um not that you have all 36 takes on this album but this is the one that they included and yeah I, I just like hearing how the song developed and i love love paul's voice on it like it starts out so kind of scratchy um but then once once it gets into the the transition then he really lets it rip so let's check it out you can never give me your money take 36 okay come on out here it is boys here it is come on boys esley off please it's exactly half past two and it's 36. And here we go. 36. See 
So I just think it's fun to to hear, you know, different versions of these songs that we know so well. Like I've got every song on here memorized exactly how it should sound and then they put out this uh this deluxe edition where you can hear how they started well, out, how they evolved over time. And it's, I think definitely within the spirit of being quarantined, this is the uh this is the time to to really explore into those alternate takes and it's fun to hear those compared to the uh, original or the the final version and yeah. kind of see what what was cut what was kept what was added cool all right let's keep it going all right okay this is uh, this i'm gonna go another funk one um so you have like your famous voices in female voices in soul music are typically going to be like your i mean who would you say the most famous voice female voices of soul um most people are going to describe Probably who Aretha? Yeah, Aretha, okay. Etta James, Etta James, and maybe Ella Fitzgerald gets grouped into there. Yeah. Um, there's there's a voice there's a there's a name that is a popular name but doesn't I don't think gets given as much credit as it deserves in that same era, and this is classic Tina Turner in particular when she mm. was playing with Ike. Mm-hmm. And we know the relationship was was problematic, and we don't endorse you know any of the things that Ike was doing. But um, they together made some absolutely incredible soul music. And Ike was a phenomenal musician, but Tina could bring a level of soul to her voice that I think belongs right in line with all those other ones. So the track that I'm picking, I don't know if you're gonna, you may have to go to YouTube for this. Um, but see if you can find it. It's called Feel Good by Ike and Tina Turner. The name of the album, and they had like problems with record labels. They bounced a ton with between different record labels. And so some of their stuff is hard to find. And maybe that's partially why she doesn't get grouped in with them quite as much because some of her 70s stuff isn't as accessible because it wasn't on, it was like on weird British labels and stuff. Mm. So the cover of this album, it's her kind of dancing. There's a white background, her dancing in like a pink or purple dress. If you see that, if you're looking at covers, mm-hmm. did you yeah. find it? Yeah. Yeah. So Feel Good by Ike and Tina Turner. And this one has a slow build, but her voice is just so strong and it's so perfectly like scratchy. I love it. Cool. Here we go. And he used them to get me hooked. Ow! 
love that piano in the back. I could play piano, I could play guitar, and he was really, really funky. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about a quarantine, a pandemic, mm-hmm. I know this isn't what she was talking about when she said feel good, clearly. She's coming from the Pendergrass side of things. But uh, we want to feel good. I want everybody <laughs> to feel good right now. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't listened to very much of... Of her earlier stuff, the the I continued Turner stuff. You know, yeah, I've heard uh, River Deep, Mountain they, High, and that might be about it. Pretty prolific. They put out a ton of songs together where he was he was playing and she was singing, and she could just bring it. She has so yeah. much power behind her voice. Yeah, you know, she kind of became this icon in the '80s. You know, simply the best and stuff. But she has this soul chapter of her career that's incredible i freaking love it wow that's cool great pick look at you all these things that i never knew existed there's so much good music out there man that's the fun part about uh, about <laughs> This this type of a format is especially when we don't know each other is 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 I think both of us have picked stuff that kind of reminded the other one. We need to spend some more time with that. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I'm uh I'm going with another very familiar band, the Beach Boys. Um, but this one is a track that I think most people probably have never heard. Uh. When you think of the Beach Boys, at least for me, until recently, I thought that their career kind of ended after the Pet Sounds album. Like, you hear about their their kind of uh, competitive feud, not really feud, but their, their competition with the, the Beatles and trying to be the most artistic band. Do I need to remind you about their song Kokomo, where they had Uncle Jesse from Full House playing drums with them? <laughs> You do not need to remind me. I I know full well that that existed, um, but <laughs> I mean, can you I'm name any checking. songs in between "Good Vibrations" and "Kokomo"? Um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, I definitely can't. Yeah, I mean, you got to be a, a really you know. You could just assume that they took a break in between 1967 and 80 whatever when Kokomo came out. Um, I wonder if they are the band that has the longest span in between number one singles i think they might be oh probably gotta be so yeah they're doing they did pet sounds and then they're working on this album smile of which uh good vibrations was a single from that but as an album that kind of got scrapped because of uh brian was that supposed to be a beach boys project or was that originally supposed to be just a brian wilson project? no it was it was a beach boys project and but yeah i had a nervous breakdown in the middle of it and so they scrapped the whole thing. They ended up releasing it as Smiley Smile, renamed it. Um, but it wasn't, it was kind of just a, a glimmer of what could have been because they they didn't get everything that they wanted in the studio. studio. But it's probably them feeling you know, so, an obligation to the label. Yeah. So I'd heard, heard all those stories and then didn't know any Beach Boys songs after that. Come to find out, if you click on their discography, they're still releasing an album at least as often as Neil Young is, if not more. Um, With Brian Wilson the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
He he probably had multiple nervous breakdowns. I don't know, but he he still wrote <laughs> songs after that. I think they just stopped being as ambitious. Like he wasn't trying to do better than Sgt. Pepper's anymore. Um, right. But they yeah, they're still doing songs. So this one is from the album Friends, which came out in 1968. So I guess the year after uh, Smiley Smile. Um, and there's uh, there's some fun stuff on this album. But the most fun one in my book is track number 10 called Busy Doing Nothing. Um, which could also apply uh, to to our times right now. Um, I really love the lyrics on this, and kind of the just the sincerity and the heartfeltness of the voice that's singing it. Um, the these type of the Beach Boys never were ones for a lot of like subtlety in their lyrics, <laughs> you know. Um, and these ones, like it's it's just telling a story. It's like it is exactly what it is on the surface. Um, but I, I just love what he's talking about and, and the, the sounds that they're getting from their instruments. So here we go. Busy doing nothing from the Beach Boys. I had to fix a lot of things this morning Cause they were so scrambled But now it's okay I tell you I've got enough to do The afternoon was filled up with phone calls What a hot sticky day good pick <laughs> how about that <laughs> there, there's a uh, there's a purity to their vocals that is i don't think has ever been ever been duplicated i don't think anybody else has ever had like as as pure of a vocal sound at least it, for, as far as a male the way that they sound you mean the, the quality yeah, of the voice the, the quality of voice is just incredible yeah yeah, it's true, and uh, and so many of them because they they have different singers depending on the song. It makes me wonder. I don't know. I don't know enough about their history. It makes me wonder, like, if part of their challenge was be- before Pet Sounds. They almost it feels like they almost existed as like a boy band. Like they were this fun loving yeah. surf music group that was supposed to make surfing usa on every album yeah but it turns out that brian wilson was really this artistic genius that wanted to say something wanted to make art and it, it, it i would imagine it's really hard to break free from that i think that's part of the reason we see movie stars and musicians have breakdowns sometimes is their 
they're wanting to be something that the public isn't almost isn't letting them be. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if that was part of their challenge because it, it really feels well, like I think even as a band, they weren't, they eventually weren't unified in, in what they wanted to be. Cause some of them were very comfortable with, you know, they had such a string of hit songs, like amazing popularity. And then to go from that and, uh, achieve the art artistry that they did on pet sounds but not the the popularity <clears throat> so there's there was quite a bit of pushback within the band of you know resenting what brian wilson was doing and a great pick yeah i i really dig the vibe of that and just this whole song about visiting your friends and and uh <laughs> enjoying the the small things in life it's a uh, good things to be thinking about it's great Okay, uh, for my next one, I'm going to let you choose. Do you want me to go modern death metal or <laughs> or 70s deep track funk? Uh, well, I think we've we've heard quite a few of the the 70s funk stuff, so let's go with modern death metal. Okay, so if you're quarantined, you might have some pent up aggression, and you just the music might. is is a, a good way to deal with that you know go bang your head a little bit rather than taking your aggression out on another person music can be therapeutic that way and sometimes death metal is, is nice for that this is one of my favorite um kind of doom metal death metal bands um i mentioned them earlier this is uh fu manchu and um <laughs> they have a they have an album called in search of and I think the song I'm going to go with, I got to make sure it's the right one. Please say Sea Hag. No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think. In my book, if you come across a song called Sea Hag, you hit play. I'm, I'm hitting play. That's not the one. So there's the first few bars of Sea Hag. I think we can okay, all agree so that there's either... potential in that one. Oh, it, these guys are fantastic. I love these guys. <laughs> it, the song I'm going for, it's either, I think it's Cyclone Launch. Play that one. Okay. cowbell for your yeah. life which you probably need and just the biggest distortion you can get when they go into the uh the body of the song again there's a there's something about when the cowbell comes in prominently in a song it's just like saying hey we've got a sense of humor so now listen to that solo with that huge distortion rhythm guitar yeah Anyway, these guys check all the boxes for uh, for doom metal, sludge metal. It's that slowed down, 
flat tuning, really, really heavy distortion. They're super fun. Listen to any of their first three or four albums. And it's, Fu Manchu. It's, yeah. So this album came out in 1996. Yeah. And uh, looks like they've got quite a few others. Yeah, they've made a lot. I like it. Good. Add it to I'm, your list. I'm going to put this on when I go... Uh, dig out some some roots of trees that i need to get rid of in the backyard <laughs> all right so we each do one more let's each do one more i'm uh i'm going with a whole i mean i guess this could could qualify as a as a song but on most albums it's four different songs by the way i think we're missing a golden opportunity like how have we not picked anything by the cure isn't the cure a natural uh a natural music to uh listen to when we're we're quarantined or uh on on lockdown yeah like you know I, I suppose they would be anyway but, I, uh, I digress they, they got covered a couple episodes ago that's true i'm sure they've got some deep tracks i just figured if you're called the cure that's what we should be listening yeah, to yeah i know um f- funny story this was while i was getting ready for the 80s episode and i was commenting to kara that seems like the decade champ actually is the saxophone solo. Because <laughs> uh, every song, you know, is going to have that in there somewhere. Not every song, but... And then I and was thinking... And it's read a meme in the sexy sax man. The what? <laughs> it, it inspired like a whole character, the sexy sax man, <laughs> that can show up in any yeah. skit and play a sax solo. So I was asking her, I said, are there... What about The Cure? Did they... It seems like every band eventually had to have a sax solo. They just couldn't couldn't resist. I'm like, did the Cure ever have a sax solo? And sure enough, they did. In close to you, there's a. Dynamite. It was in close to you, which I was yeah. going to say, which is actually one of my favorite Cure songs. Yeah. So. There's but, a great reggae remix of it. But it's not my last pick for a quarantine, although it could easily make make that. Uh, instead, I I say when you're quarantined. As with a lot of these others, with that that Miles Davis album and uh, some of these other ones, you got time on your hands, and so you want to really sink your teeth into something. You know, it might be time to read Moby Dick, might be time to watch some Tarkovsky movies. Uh, those are probably too obscure. Lord of the Rings marathon, okay. Um, but musically, if, uh, th- this is one that you just got to know, you got to be familiar with, and this one is going to provide you with all the whole spectrum of musical pop- possibilities. I'm talking about the, even more than the Beatles, this is the greatest work of Western music, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so there are four parts to it. And what's the cutoff for Western music, by the way? Like, what's the the what's the longitudinal line <laughs> that cuts off Western music? <laughs> well, Moscow fits into it because Tchaikovsky's, it? yeah, Tchaikovsky's included. So is it just like everything except for the Pacific Rim? Maybe I don't even need to distinguish. Is there anything greater than Beethoven's Ninth? I, I you'd be uh, hard pressed to to argue against it. I'm sure you could find a way, Jason, but you'll still be hard-pressed to do it. My mom was a piano teacher. I grew up with Beethoven statues in my house. I uh, I have full respect for, for Beethoven's Ninth. 
All right. Um, so I'm going to play a snippet of each of the four movements just so you can see what's going on here. If uh, I, would, I would guess most of our listeners have heard at least the, the last movement, which I don't know if this was the first symphony to have a choral part, but it was considered innovative at the time or a new thing. So this is where he worked in the Ode to Joy um, but some of the earlier parts are just as cool and might be more or less familiar. So here's uh, here's the first movement. So I'm no classical music scholar by any means. I don't know, the strength and combined with the dissonance. So it feels like this has taken us into, you know, more Rachmaninoff, Stravinsky type, more uh, angry or dissonant type things. I like it. Um, so that's first movement. A lot of cool stuff going on there. And then uh, let's let's skip forward to movement number two. Somebody was going to like. How would you guide somebody? Because the the one of the tricky things I have with this type of music because mm-hmm. we don't have obviously a recording of Beethoven performing it. Yeah, and it like so if you look it up, Beethoven's Fifth, you're going to see like a hundred different options. How would you guide somebody to pick the right one to listen to? Which version of out of those hundred to go yeah. with? It's one of the challenges I have with classical music. Like I yeah. want to get as versed, as well versed with classical music as I am with <laughs> obscure seventies deep tracks, and I don't know where to start in many cases. Absolutely, because it's it's there's no like. So I would I would say if you're just starting out, uh, go with like a more high end record label, I guess. Um. Deutsch gramophone or one of these others that uh, is reputable to have done really good recordings of great symphonies or of great um, not symphony the piece but the performer you know mm-hmm. so this particular one is uh, Herbert von Karajan the conductor and what uh 
record label is designed. Oh yeah, Deutsche Gramophone. It's got wow. the little, got the little golden uh, logo kind of stamp thing. No, I just, I just know them because those, those are a lot of the ones that my dad would buy. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, since all these songs are in the public domain, anyone can record it for free. They don't have to pay any royalties. So there are uh, a lot out there, you know, especially when CDs came out of like uh, digital classics or whatever. Yeah, if we ever get shut down, we're going to be on, we're only going to be able to cover that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that that's where I would start. But um, I don't know. Does that answer the question at all? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that's one of the things that's tricky, though. I don't, is I don't know the, the high, like the top record labels off the top of my head, but it would be a easy thing to look up. Okay. Uh, should I play a snippet of the more familiar part? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think you were trying to work up to that point before I okay. interjected. Here we go. So this is the I'll uh just for time's sake, I'll skip over the third movement. That's the slower one. A lot of gorgeous stuff in that one too, so definitely check that out. Um but just so you know what we're talking about, this is the fourth movement which doesn't start out with the ode to joy, but it it builds into it. I want to find the part where they kind of start singing quietly. I'm skipping forward a little bit. powerful stuff so does it for you huh yeah absolutely i like it and uh yeah it's uh 40 plus minutes for the whole uh the whole symphony you are in good hands for for quite some time not necessarily you know nice background about? music this is not the kind of thing you want to just have playing while you're doing the dishes i mean you can't but you certainly. know what's nice about that like if i'm listening to that while i'm quarantined for just a brief minute it might make me feel like there's a lot more people in my house than what i actually are like it might make me feel like i'm surrounded by people for a minute yeah 
This is a great one, though. If you've got some some good loudspeakers, you know, just turn this on and crank it up because it's uh, it feels good when it's loud. So that's uh, that's my last one. Does your family does your family um, appreciate this music as much as you do? Not yet. <laughs> Are you trying? <laughs> Here and there, occasionally. Do they do they appreciate your efforts? <laughs> no, they don't. Not with, not with this stuff. Wow, good pick, good pick. Um, okay, so finish this out here. Geez, I don't even know where to go to follow that up. <laughs> uh, Let's go. I'm trying to decide. You know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw a curveball. I was so I'm going to take a page again out of Jordan's book where I tell you what I'm not going to pick, but I put it on the record. <laughs> um, I was debating between uh, Fred Wesley and the JB song that was the backing band for James Brown, great uh -huh. funk outfit, and I was debating between that and a. Um, uh charles mingus jazz bass player uh -huh. song off of his classic album mingus uh um and i'm gonna change it up i'm actually gonna go with kind of an obscure uh 70s classic rock track that i'm always surprised a lot of people haven't heard before it's really catchy it's really cool um and somehow it didn't it's another one that i don't think saw the got the attention that it should have it's a great classic rock song and i so i don't want to try to compete intelligence wise um with with beethoven instead you don't want to try I think to what that? i'm gonna offer no i'm gonna offer a higher quality version of mcdonald's so maybe this is more <laughs> like this is this would be something from the five guys menu uh -huh. if, uh, if hamburgers <laughs> are your thing so it's a, i think it's a little bit higher quality of pop um that that maybe not enough people have appreciated Perfect. uh it's by a, a husband wife combo early 70s richard and linda thompson and it's this kind of cool track that they had off of their uh, it's the title track off of their i want to see the bright lights tonight album and I, i've been feeling shut in a little bit it feels weird to leave the house feels like i'm breaking some social rules and you know at night there's this kind of something in me that's just going i want to i just want to go out and, and see something and so this is maybe this is a nice a nice declaration that that a few of us are, are feeling um okay. from uh from a, I, what i think is a cool song i really like this song i think it's a great track do the make sure you don't do the live one do the just the studio recording i want to see the bright lights tonight by okay. richard and Linda thompson here we go
it's just this kind of fun song like lyrically it's almost kind of like cat stevens yeah. musically it's got a little bit of rolling stones it's just on that jangly guitar you've got horns i like i like it's the just, uh, penny lane horn section yeah it's just kind of this fun relic fun artifact from the early 70s that again um somehow didn't make a bigger footprint i don't know why uh-huh Love it. This is kind of a cool album. This is the best song on this album, but it's a good album. It's a it's an interesting listen. Well, that's a great one to close us out on. Good mood. Good. Uh, I don't know. Sense of of yearning. That's right. So, um, shout out to Jordan. We missed him today. I think we're I think we're better. Uh, when he's when he's with us, but he was he was busy today. He had a busy a busy Saturday, so he couldn't join us. But he he encouraged us to record something. Um, you know, hopefully everybody's doing the best, staying safe. Wash your hands, keep your hands out of your eyes, and uh, thanks everybody for keeping on. What I don't know. What do you want to add, Brandon? Yeah, same thing. Hope uh, hope everyone's doing all right, and I'm enjoying uh, having this podcast to make and at least we can keep doing this glad we figured out how to do it remotely amen <laughs> so until uh till next week we'll uh we'll keep these coming so we'll we'll see y'all next time